This is Profitable Python with your host, Ben McNeil. On this episode, you will meet Rayed Ben-Brahim. He is a JavaScript developer and career coach. Rayed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Excellent. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on here. Uh, this has uh, traditionally been a Python podcast, but we have the JavaScript developer on here to show us the other side of the, the programming world here. Yeah, so, the web guy. The, yeah, the, the web, web guy. <laughs> yep. So uh, just to kick this off, I wanted, I wanted to just get an idea of what the tech scene was like in Paris, France. That's where you're from, right? Yes. Well, the, the tech scene in Paris has been growing very, very quickly in the past decade or so. Um, we, have now, we are now a number two in Europe uh, tech hub, startup hub, uh, just behind London. Uh, we have a lot of uh, data-oriented companies. We have a lot of uh, AI, machine learning, specialized companies. Some uh, some growing names there. So yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun, a lot of tech here going on, and we we like it. Awesome. And you said it's it's growing, like it's been happening uh, over the last ten years, or like am I just not not watching enough news here, or is it just recently happening? No, it's I'd say it's about the last ten years. Yes. Okay, excellent. And uh, you had mentioned there was some AI machine learning company or startups there. Um, yep. Do you? What is your perspective like with JavaScript's role in machine learning? Because I traditional traditionally it's kind of been like a Python dominated world. Python. Um, can you kind of shed some light on that? Like what JavaScript's role is in? Yeah, in actually, it is. It is dominated by Python because um, machine learning is so heavy in computing. Uh, and JavaScript is not the best language for processing so much computing. It's a single thread uh, programming language. So that's why it's very used in, uh, in the web because it just input output. But for, um, for machine learning, you need a lot of processing. So you need multi-thread. Uh, that's why Python is dominating. Uh, but I know that um, uh, Google's used TensorFlow. They released TensorFlow and there's a JavaScript library for TensorFlow. So us as app developer or web developers, if we want to add some machine learning or AI layer to our apps, we basically use those API, whether it's TensorFlow or Google's API or AWS APIs. Uh, we don't try to like re rewrite machine learning our ourselves. Uh, it very quickly gets out of our hands. Mm. So, but you see the role of uh, JavaScript kind of in, like in, improving or increasing with uh, machine learning as we go into the future? Like it'll be kind of maybe yeah, like... It's, it's more on another layer. You see like um, the machine learning part, the core intelligence of it will still be handled by Python or pro most likely it's going to be Python. But in order to interact with the, this intelligence, we need, we need a layer of user interface or app interface API. Mm -hmm. uh, those type, this type of layer which sits above that AI most likely it's going to be, uh, it's going to be JavaScript. Okay, excellent. Yeah, thanks for shedding some light on that. There's, uh, so what, let me, let me ask you this before we kind of move on to the other, the other segment of the show. But when it comes to like Python and JavaScript, like call me crazy here, but the rhetoric is like this, like two titans that are just like clashing for, uh, you know, yeah, like dominance, so like, like talk, talk about this a little bit. Every year we get that ranking of which programming language is, is like the most popular. Yeah. And there's so many like videos and you see uh, people counting the GitHub repositories, the Stack Overflow questions, and they're ranking each other and saying, oh yeah, this one's bigger than the other. Well, well actually, depends on what you want to do. But if you're doing uh, anything related to data, Python's, Python's most suited for that. Uh, if you're doing web, most likely you're going to have to handle some JavaScript, but you can do all the server side with Python. Uh, it's only a matter of preference. If you're used to Python, just stick with Python. Mm -hmm. uh, I have I've had some experience with Ruby on Rails, which is, I've heard, pretty similar to Python in the syntax and everything, uh, but I've never experienced Python myself, hands-on. Okay. Do you think... Do you think um like we'll ever see Python in the browser. I've heard some rhetoric online about like, like people are like pushing for this. I don't know where the passion is coming from, but like, do you ever see that? Do you ever see that happening? Or like, is there even a reason to really push for that? No, I don't see it happening at scale. I mean, mm -hmm. it's possible that it happens uh, for small frameworks or open source libraries only to like to ease the way for Python developers to make web apps. Um, I, I could see that having a small a niche uh, but now for the front end, I mean, 
the the like the web is dominated by React and then some Angular and then some Vue.js. Or I, I don't know the order. I think it's React, Vue, then Angular. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, those three frameworks are so big that I don't see any anyone challenging them in the next five years or so. Yeah, we're we're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, well, uh, thanks for kind of covering that. Like that's, uh, I, I love, it's kind of like controversial what we just did there. So I'm, I'm happy to kind of bring, bring that up. Yes, but, let's uh, bring the heat. Yeah, let's bring the I heat. Want, I want the listeners and the, all the audience <laughs> just to comment and, uh, and tell us what you think about this. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the, the other part is like, this is also what I, I really just uh, am loving about what's going to happen in this interview is that like you, you have this JavaScript experience. You have like, you've built a career on it. And, um, and then there's other people that have kind of done the same thing with Python. And I think, I think if we could just kind of get over that whole, like, we're in a battle for the language, uh, religion that we, you know, uh, worship, like there's so much we can learn from each other. And that's what I hope everybody's going to get out of this. Cause we're going to jump in to the career side of things. You have a lot of experience, uh, cause you're a career coach and, um, I was curious, like, what do you, or why do young software engineers get lost in their careers right after their first job? Well, they get lost, the, the, like the most common mistake I see is that they get lost between that programming language battle that, we, that you just mentioned. Okay. Uh, uh, they start off with one, for some reason, most likely it's not going to be about the programming language itself. It could be because of the, the job opportunity, uh, because of the salary of the company. It could be of any reason. They start there and then they start wondering, oh, but I heard that Go is the next big thing and I should be learning Go or like they, they're going to make some stuff up just because they've heard it uh, or read it on Reddit or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, well, it's, it's really not the subject here. As a, as a young developer, the first thing you want to do, if you haven't identified the like the language framework you want to work with, the mo your most favorite, you want to try some things out. Then once you have identified where, where you want to go, you want to just dig and dive deeper in, in, in it. You want to have some real experience uh, with your programming language because that's the first step. The first step is I have this cloud and dirt strategy when it comes to learning. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the dirt part is diving deeper into your language to get some more hands-on experience, but the, the syntax and everything. And then you want to climb up towards the clouds and have all those notions, all those knowledge of uh, software engineering in general, which is not depending on the language. Uh, it's the same principles that have been used since the 1960s. Uh, so it's, it's something that's, that does not depend on the programming language. And mm -hmm. this is what makes the difference between a junior developer that will uh, climb his career ladder in two or three or four years and somebody who can get stuck in his job for five or six or seven years before making it to the next level. Okay, yeah, what, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that you just kind of talked about there that I want to kind of uh, go, maybe even use the cloud and dirt strategy on it. So like, let's go a little deeper on that cloud and dirt strategy. Is that like a custom thing that you you've coined or is that like a real, is that a real thing? I've or, heard that, I, I don't I think I said that right. Name, you know what I'm saying I, though, right? Yes, I know. <laughs> I've heard that strategy applied to marketing and I thought it was brilliant. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I thought like, uh, there's a thing also when it comes to learning the, it's called the T-shaped learning. I, I don't know if you know about it. It's uh, uh, T-shape means like you learn a lot about different things that are linked together mm. and you go deep only on one or two. Okay. So that's, that's the strategy is pretty commonly known. Uh, but the cloud and dirt, I mean, is, it's really, it's really linked to that T-shape strategy, but you, you have to go deep inside your, your expertise, but also you have to take some, take some altitude also in this, that same area. And okay, excellent. And then you, you had also mentioned that uh, kind of the difference between like a senior and a junior developer, uh, there was there was kind of like some software uh, design principles that have been around since the 60s. Yeah. What are what are kind of like your big takeaways on those? Like, like, if you had to pick like a, a couple, maybe this isn't possible, but just kind of tell me either way, like, what are, you know, what are like some big things that somebody that maybe isn't a senior could kind of like start to chew on to embark on that journey of like learning these principles. Okay. So there's basically one of the 
first things you start to to hear about when you're a junior and you want to make make the, the leap um, is the um, design patterns. You hear about them, you probably know a couple only like the MVC because that's the, the MVC stands for model view controller. Uh, that's a design pattern that's, that is built in a lot of web frameworks such as Ruby on Rails, I think uh, Django uses it as well. So, um, so that's the design patterns you're familiar with. Now you want to learn the others, not learn. I mean, you have to discover. Um, and when you're a junior and you read, there's like 20s of them uh, and you, you just don't know what they're talking about. Okay, if I talk about the factory patterns, okay, I see an example, but I, I don't really know how I can use it. And you feel lost because it's just so much knowledge at once mm -hmm. and, you, and no practicality to it. So you have mm -hmm. to take it step by step and you use it and you like you learn a design pattern when you need it or as soon as you learn it, you try to apply it to your project. It could be at a small scale. The MVC example that I gave you earlier is more for the whole project. The whole project will be built and follow the MVC. Whereas the factory uh, pattern, it could be applied to only a function or a part of your code. It doesn't have to be everywhere. It, actually, it cannot be everywhere. So, um, so you just have to learn by experience and by following a mentor. Uh, somebody's gonna who has experience enough to just show you that. Okay, look here. I did this like this because I'm following this pattern, and this is a best practice. Why is it a best practice? It's because by using this, I could have built the same thing in tens of different way but by using this i'm allowing another developer who hasn't worked on the project to come in and understand quickly what i'm doing here and how my app is built it's just standard principle the design pattern is not exclusive to software engineering it comes from architecture i think uh it's really built to like ease the the process of understanding anything that's built uh between like uh, if you take an architect, he, the other one will be able to understand how the, the building has been built because of the patterns. Okay, excellent. Yeah, there's like a whole aspect of uh, teamwork. Like, it, uh, like I can even kind of remember this on my job. It's, it's one thing to kind of just be like a solo coder. And I think you talk about this actually too. And then, you know, but when you have to work as a team, I mean, there's just so much more uh, that you can, uh, that, that can go right or wrong. <laughs> Yeah, Depending so, it's so funny you mentioned this because uh, yesterday uh, at, at work we had exactly this issue. Uh, I, we had to rework a function. We wanted to add a feature to, uh, to the app we're building. Uh, and I stumbled into a function that was like so badly written only because, not because it didn't work, not because it wasn't optimal. And probably the, the, the developer who worked on it, uh, I didn't know him, he, he left before I came in. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took over this part. And um, he probably tried to over-engineer the thing, uh, trying to, to put the minimum lines of code possible. And it's what I call the developer ego. Once you start get, getting comfortable with your language, you want to, to like, just to show off. Uh, and that's and you end up with a function that's absolutely not re readable. I hmm. was with my lead developer and our software architect just reading that function. We knew what it was doing, but we just couldn't understand the the lines of code. So mm -hmm. we opened an issue on GitHub. We were going to refactor this uh, because it's okay. It's three lines of code maybe, but it, it, it could have been 17. It's it's not going to affect the performance of the app, and it's just going to be easier for the next man up coming up and uh, working on this. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, basically, like there's, I come from an engineering background and there's definitely like, like a fact, you know, when you're engineering things, you can build in like a crazy factor of safety. But I mean, really what makes a good engineer is somebody who they, they, can, they can make it just like, per, like right sized or like purpose built for that application. So yeah, like what you're talking about, 17 lines of code versus three but you wouldn't have had to take any time at all to decipher it if it was 17. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. So. The, there's no added, I, I had the argument that there's no added value to optimize so much for an app. Even if, if we were Google, probably not Google, but even if we had a lot of traffic um, and we, and uh, like the gain of having such a, the code written, built in such way is not like, it's not overweighting the, the cost of me having to take half a day to, to work on this 
Right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I, I had a question because you've done, uh, you, so you also do like this career coaching and I was wondering what are some critical elements to your algorithm for setting a career path? Well, uh, there are a lot of, of areas that you have to think about. First is where are you located and are you willing to stay or are, are you willing to move? Uh, because depending on where you are, are on your local market, the languages that you're going to be working with are going to be either wide open or completely limited. Uh, so you, you, this is a number one factor you have to decide. And then you have to decide uh, if you want to go technical or you want to go management. Uh, I'm not saying project management uh, or product ownership because this is basically the first um, crossroads where developer leave from the technical side. Uh, and it's not like if they leave so early, it means that coding is not their thing and it's okay. But I'm focusing on the, the after, after that part. So mm -hmm. after that, either you go senior tech lead uh, or you go to a management kind of role where you are overseeing a team, a team then multiple teams. Uh, that's the, the crossroads. That, that is interesting depending on your background you want to do, etc. But that's a question that most likely you're going to face after four or five, six years down the road of, a, of really hands-on experience of developer. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And where do you see the uh, execution on the career plan? Get, where do you see that becoming like challenging? Um, I'd say right, like right after your first job. The first, the first difficult part is when you're in your first job uh, are you staying there just long enough or are you staying there because you're getting comfortable because as a junior you have to challenge yourself if you don't challenge yourself if you don't keep improving by the week or by the month uh, you are stagnating and you are not like you're not maximizing your career growth uh, it's not too bad uh, you can decide to stay that way if you want to but it's like you're not maximizing your, your potential career growth, income growth, and everything that comes with it. So uh, first thing is you have to decide if you want to stay in your company or if you want to change. You might not change for another, uh, for like for a senior position right away, but changing environment is gonna let you be challenged by other people, other seniors with other points of views. And that's, that's the beauty I think of software engineering is that it could be done in so many ways and you have to make up your own mind but by staying in the same environment, you're not challenging yourself. You're not facing other ways of thinking. And, um, and it's, it's too bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, so you, you mentioned kind of like part of this is uh, like, so stagnation is kind of like the enemy that you're going to be fighting off. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, and, definitely. Uh, so and you had mentioned in the pre-interview how like one of your quantum leaps in your success was basically... Uh, making friends with senior developers and that kind of like changed the trajectory of your career path. So can you kind of talk like that's one way of fighting off stagnation, right? Exactly. Or, exactly. You don't have necessarily to be, to find those mentor inside the, the, your company, although that's the easiest way, but mm -hmm. you can like, if you can really bond with some senior developers outside of work, but I mean, really bond, not just hit them up on Twitter or, or on LinkedIn or, and exchange a couple of emails mm -hmm. uh, and have really hands-on practice with them. Uh, show them your code, uh, ask them to, like, to challenge it and to show you some stuff. Um, with those folks, I, I met uh, like a couple of senior developers who wanted to start their business uh, and I helped them out with this. Uh, and on the other hand, they helped me out with my code. I could send them, I, I would ask them questions on Slack every, every day or so. Uh, they would comment my code. They would uh, show me, they showed me basically how to, to do TDD, test-driven development. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I had the, the opportunity to practice with one of them. Uh, and that's really changed the course of my career. Okay. Yeah. I, I really want to, uh, dig into that for a second if we can. So like, so if I'm hearing you correctly, like you were, not only are you looking for mentorship inside your company, but you're reaching out to people just out in the world through Twitter and okay. So what is that, what does that dialogue, uh, kind of look like when you, when you start to engage someone? Because like immediately in my brain, I'm like, man, that's scary. Like, what if I, you know, sound like a total noob when I, when I talk to this guy or gal. 
type thing. Well, the good thing is you are a total noob when you talk to this guy <laughs> and just don't try to hide it. Just go straight to the point and, and hit them up on, on something they say. Usually okay. what I do is uh, I follow them on LinkedIn, on Twitter, mm-hmm. and they're going to post some stuff. They're going to like t- take a stand on some, some things. And what I do is either I DM them or I retweet, answer, comment, whatever, um, about saying like, okay, uh, you're saying this, but I saw or I read that... Uh, this uh, is the way to go or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, like, for instance, there's an article about Eric Elliott, uh, who is an author, a very well-known JavaScript uh, influencer, uh, saying that mocks and tests, uh, mocks are a code smell. Uh, Whereas uh, we are being taught that uh, when we're doing unit testing, we absolutely have to use mocks and we should not be uh, like using the real function, the real cost to the database and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then you can like in this kind of case, you can hit him up and ask, okay, uh, but I read in this book that we should have been using mocks and stuff like this. Just challenge him and, uh, but come with the, the new, that new vibe saying right. i'm trying to understand your point can you elaborate mm-hmm. and he's gonna answer. most likely he is uh maybe like people want to to talk about what about their passions and mm-hmm. you are offering him the opportunity uh now don't go right after saying okay i'm looking for a mentor can you read my code he it's not gonna happen you just have to create a bond with this with with the, the person you're looking after and right. if, and then if you offer something first then probably he will be he will be glad to help you out okay yeah and that's that's like a great metaphor for life and business building like just bring the value and uh like it'll it'll come back to you for sure so uh what what are the benefits of tdd or test driven development that the senior devs taught you well it's easy it's also counterintuitive it's that tdd uh helps you write better code TDD is not test first. It's not uh, uh, like you, you should write your test and then write your function uh, and everything is uh, isn't good. No, um, it's about not having to think of the algorithm of your function, however easy it might be. Um, for instance, there's often this um, this uh, this example of the Fibonacci suite that uh, you have to build. You have to code this, uh, and you have no idea where to start. Well. Using TDD, you just don't have to think of how you're going to solve this equation. You just write the, the first case of test and write the first li- the minimum code possible that will make this test pass. Okay, so the first element is, uh, the, it has to be equal to one. So how can I make a code equal to one? I put a variable equal to one. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then put the, the next iteration. And, you ha- and then you write the function that has to pass both tests. And, and the list goes on until you have covered all the cases and it, have, it has helped you build the algorithm and it has helped you build the most optimal algorithm without having to just stop and think of a solution, try something, oh, it doesn't work, try something else and so on and so forth. It really helps you build, build clean code and, and code faster. Okay, excellent. And the reason why I bring this up is, uh, so what you're talking about is it's made, it's, it's optimizing like how your code is being written and you don't have to spend time like figuring out how you're going to put all these pieces together. It's kind of like this incremental process that you land on. So how have you ever been in a scenario where maybe somebody that wasn't uh, familiar with software development, best practices, for example, like have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where people are like, why can't you just write code that works? Like, why do I need to pay you to write tests? Exactly. I, I, well, I've seen this in, my, in uh, one of my very first jobs uh, where we were building small scale apps uh, for clients. So it was like corporate 500 clients. Um, the projects last usually between three to six months. So, uh, uh, and there's no like evolution of the project when it's delivered. Uh, and one, once I brought the, the issue that we were not writing tests at all, um, and we, maybe we should, uh, I got the response from the seniors saying that, nah, it's not worth it. It's, it's a waste of time. We don't have that on the budget. So, mm-hmm. uh, we shouldn't, we like, don't bother with it. Just go along and write your functions and write your code. Like you, like you always did. And that's, mm-hmm. that's an issue as a developer, not only because, uh, the code you're writing, uh, might 
like you might have struggles or if you have to work on a, somebody else's code base uh, and you just add a feature and you break something you have no idea that happened to me uh, or um, the the other problem is that you're not progressing this this is a, a typically the kind of work situation where I would be okay if it's that's if that's your first job and you're still figuring your way up there okay mm -hmm. but you're not going to stay there. You're not going to stay there for so long because it really stagnates your career. You have mm -hmm. to learn tests and, the, and it's going to come up on your next job search. You, after your first experience as a software developer, they're going to look at the number of years of experience you have in your language and if you can write tests. Yeah, it sounds just so uh, fundamental to career, to career building and career growth. And, and that's like universal for all probably all types of developers, right? Like that's not yeah. just like JavaScript or, okay, cool. Exactly, especially when you're working uh, in a team, as a team on a bigger project. If you're mm -hmm. solo solo developer, you can get away with it. But as soon as you're not on the, like if you leave or if you're not maintaining that project, that project will die. Right, and and you had brought up scale too. Like if you if you plan on like scaling your team or anything like that, like, that's where that's where it just really becomes critical. So yeah. I, I'm, especially I'm really if it's your project, you are, for instance, I start an app myself, for instance, um, and I don't write any tests. If I if I try to hire somebody to work with me, I'm not going to be able to hire good developers because they're going to see my code base and they're gonna, they're going to see that I cannot I do not have a welcoming environment for them. So the only mm -hmm. people I'm going to get out with is the juniors or people who just don't care and going to write tests and we're going to write code and leave at the end of the day. So it's not sustainable if you plan on having some kind of growth. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I'm so happy you brought that up. So basically like people are going to run for the hills. Like if you're trying to build an awesome team and they see your code has no tests, they're going to run for the hills. Exactly. <laughs> what are there any boundaries with test driven development where maybe, maybe you wouldn't use it or is it literally like, like I'm starting from scratch. I have this idea, boom, I'm going to figure out how to integrate testing with my project from like the first line of code, basically. I have two stands on this. Number one, if you have a project, let's say you're building an app and you have, st you still have no idea if it's going, this app is going to work or not. Mm -hmm. Then I would have a strategy of no code. You have to test your idea with, either no code using like uh, using product market available and connecting them through Zapier or something like this mm. uh, before writing your, your first line of code. Um, why? Because no matter the app that you have in mind, it's going to take some time to build. And you're, the worst that can happen is going, you're going to take three months of your life building an app that nobody will use. So as long as you're in this step, it's okay. Do whatever you want, but just don't put too much time building, building your app. Mm -hmm. But once you have some traction and you know your app is going to be built for something sustainable, you have to throw away what, all what you did before and start from scratch. And this, in this step, is very important to start with tests from the get-go. If you don't do that, it's going to be, like we said, compl complicated to hire new developers to work with you. It's going to be complicated even for yourself three months down the road to remember what you've built before. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the code that you're writing today is not affecting the feature number 176 that you have built uh, and you like when you deploy your new version of your app with that new feature that you're, you're developed today you're gonna have to be testing manually all your app every time yeah that i'm i'm so happy that we had this discussion because uh one one of the other things that you had just mentioned in here is like kind of identify the right tools for the job and then like how you answered this question with like well you know if you're kicking off an idea you need to go this direction otherwise you need to go this direction so you know for the ego coders out there like don't don't miss uh you know don't underestimate the power of zapier and these no code integration tools because i'm you can really vet an idea is that is is that something that you would agree with completely completely otherwise you might just work on some open source project that already has traction if you just want to code. Mm. Uh, if you want to build a business, there's a blueprint for that. And um, it's not uh, just coding your app because you can. Uh, this is the, the worst way to start uh, an app business, a tech, a tech company, is to start coding from the get-go. 
Yeah, that's, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I had a question about uh, you as a junior developer. So what were kind of like the struggles that, that you had and how did you overcome those? I'd say the biggest struggle as a junior, and I still see it in my company, uh, is um, asking questions. Because okay. you, know, you know you have to ask questions, and you do. But you, you also feel this, like, this shyness, and uh, you, like, you don't want to bother the, the seniors every five minutes. So you just hold, hold off for some things. And you have your ego as well. You want to find out the solution. But we have mm -hmm. a rule now which says if in 30 minutes you haven't found your solution, you have to ask around because awesome. it's not about ego. It's not about uh, like uh, bothering people mm -hmm. but in order for everybody to, to be progressing the company, the project, the senior themselves and the junior developers, we have to help out each other. And okay. You want to have to find out for yourself. You've been looking for 30 minutes. Okay. Now let's, let me show you the way. And then you're going to be remembering this for the, for the next time around. Yeah. And, and heads are not rolling because people are asking questions and stuff. It's like, exactly. is it the opposite or? Exactly. No, it's important for, it's, if, it's very important to be working in an environment where you are allowed to make mistakes and you are allowed to ask questions. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do not feel comfortable for some reason, uh, it's, it's really a problem and you need to start thinking of changing environment or you, if you're a, like a decision maker, you need to start changing the culture of your team because um, just by pressuring and to, like if you have somebody who is a dick to uh, to your to your team, mm -hmm. uh, it's it is a problem for the for productivity. And we've yeah. had uh, the, I, I have seen the the example of developers who were very good at their job, but they were also like terrible terrible uh, teammates, mm -hmm. and they had to, they they were let go because of that. Yeah, that's a huge, man, that is such a huge nugget. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you are an ass, nobody wants to, nobody's going to want you on their team. So exactly. Patience, patience is key as, the, as a developer, whether you're a junior or a lead developer, patience. Mm. And that, that's almost like a sign of becoming more senior is that you have, uh, like you have this ability to kind of help the, the juniors grow and that you have the ability, like you could, you could have all the knowledge in the world, but if, if um, you can't help anybody kind of reach your level, like you're still exactly. basically a junior or you're like a noob. In, in exactly, some... exactly. It's your job now. Now that you have uh, mastered your skill, it's your job to transmit it. That's mm -hmm. craftsmanship around any, in any ages have revolved around this. Yeah. Yeah. The, in the culture is super important too. Like how did you, did you just stumble on an organization that had that type of culture or like it, is that is that typical like what, what do you mean the culture of transmitting uh yeah just the culture of like if you get stuck like you know try and figure it out but don't take more than 30 30 minutes like nobody's heads are gonna roll if you you know you're bugging the senior developer like oh that, you know. that's most likely uh, you're gonna be in an organization where people will have this kind of uh of um, positions but they're not gonna be uh like their actions will not be uh, like true to their words mm. so um, or not necessarily or they will not pay attention or uh, in the company I'm working now uh, which is called Adeo it's the number it's a retail company number two behind Home Depot specialized in like the home home stuff okay uh, this is a true cultural thing in my team I don't know about the other team but in my mm -hmm. team uh, we have uh, the lead developer is really on the lookout if, if he sees you not like uh, not asking questions for half an hour. He'll be like, are you okay? Do you need help? Uh, they are very proactive around that. Okay. What I see also around this culture of transmitting is that we have every couple of weeks, uh, we have what we call the Slack day. And that Slack day allows us just to work on uh, a topic. Uh, most, most of the time it's going to be guided. Okay. For this Slack day, they suggest us try to build a prototype of a, of a, a web scrapper that will go to the web and scrap prices of, of items mm -hmm. uh, or uh, you're gonna say okay for this leg day I want to be working on this technology because I need to improve on this technology 
uh, and you have a lot of developers from many teams coming together and helping you out and uh, you'll be building things with some developers from other teams and learning from other people. It comes back to what I said earlier of finding other mentors besides the one you're working with on a daily basis. Uh, this allows us to just to mingle with other, other fellow developers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Slack Day, that sounds awesome. It is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what would you recommend, I guess, if somebody's kind of identified like, man, my work environment is kind of toxic. Like, like, is it, is it even possible to turn the ship around if you're just like a, like a junior, like if you're not in a leadership role, like should you head for the hills or should you kind of like tell man, someone? If you're, like, if hey, you're in a leadership role and you're realizing this, you are in trouble and you, <laughs> might, you yourself might be wanting to turn ship around because the junior developer is no problem for him. He can change jobs like this. It's, it's very easy for us. We're not going to complain. Well, again, it depends on the, where you live. But if you yeah. live in a tech hub, you, you will be just just finding a job in probably a couple of weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. And you, you should. You should. I'm, I'm, <laughs> totally, I'm totally flabbergasted by the number of developers staying in, the, in bad companies. I've seen mm. so many of them. Uh, and like, I have literally to convince them with, with many arguments that the, they have to make the change. They know it. They say yes but there's still some resistance inside there that holds them, uh, holds them to where they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's excellent little nuggets of advice there. So what, as far as like the money goes for the jobs, like, like with a junior developer, that's definitely like, you know, some, there's some motivation behind that. So how, how could you like, like, it's not, you know, if you could kind of take the money out of the equation, like how does that, how does that help the junior developer if they can kind of make decisions without the money on the forefront of their mind? Well, first thing is on the, like if you take 10 years of your career, the developer who has changed jobs uh, five times in those 10 years will have, been, will have made more money than the developer who have changed jobs only once. That's, that's a fact. Uh, but if you take the money out of the equation and you should for your first job, you should. Uh, if you can, of course. Uh, the first job you want to, to have the best teaching environment. The second job you want to be working in the technology you like and you have, want to be able to dig deeper on your knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be starting to look for a um, more senior position uh, and take on some leadership at a smaller scale. Uh, that's the, like the typical career path that uh, would be interesting for most people. Some will stay in technology, like in the, more in the technology part, they will want to stay and go deeper and deeper in technologies, one or a couple. Uh, that really depends on everyone. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. And I was curious about uh, why do you, so why do you think that we, that if we want a better world, we need better software. That was, that was something that came up in the pre-interview. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think it was Mark Andresen. Mark Andresen is the, one, uh, he's the co-founder of the VC fund called Andresen Horowitz. He's one of the biggest in the world. Uh, he co-founded Netscape as well. And he said that software is eating the world. Uh, and we, see, we saw that uh, in the past decade, uh, software comp companies are like are in the most valuable companies in the world. Um, so yes, this is not even a question. It's, it's being like revealed as the truth. And in order to build those softwares, I think that we need better software developers. And that's what I like. That's what I really want in my heart is to, to share that knowledge and want to make people like their, their job as software developer and want to be, to become better because it's just like in the airline industry where we have built, now we're able to build airplanes that are completely safe. Uh, but in software and web, web engineering in general, you feel that there's still some hiccups that, happen, that are happening every now and then, even for those big names. Uh, so yes, I think that overall, if we make better, like better web experience, uh, it's going to be better for everyone, especially that in the coming, upcoming years with 5G coming up. Uh, every every item is going to be connected to the internet, uh, and this is really a security problem. Like today, if we had to deploy everything as a connected object, uh, we would have really real security issues because we are not ready. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, 
yikes, <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> um, what, so, so you'd mentioned, uh, you know, that this is, this is already a thing, like this isn't an idea or something like it's being revealed as truth. So if you could kind of redo this again, like what would be your process to get proficient as like a JavaScript developer? If you had, if you basically had to start from scratch again, how could you kind of shortcut that? Well, if I could redo everything from scratch, uh, I would choose a, I would be more specific on when looking for my first job and I would not uh, give up on uh, working with the language programming languages I liked. I started working with Ruby on Rails, although I knew I wanted to work in Node.js because of salary. Let's, let's okay. be honest about it. It was because uh, of salary. Uh, if I could redo this, I would be still looking and maybe taking another position for, for cheaper salary, uh, but still being in, my, um, in the technology I wanted. Uh, I would be looking for mentorship right away because uh, in those first 12 months, you, you learn so much, uh, but if you learn from the wrong source, you're going to learn bad practices that you have to unlearn after that. If you, if you have some real, like a real mentor that can show you the way that is expected of you in three years, you can be there in 12 to 15 months. Hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful. Uh, Man, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so I was curious about your daily uh, routine. Mm -hmm. So uh, you had mentioned in the in the pre-interview that basically there's some news that you read. Is there other other aspects of your daily routine that are not non-negotiable? Um, no, I have to say it's the reading. Reading the those news part is essential. That's what I start my day by doing. Uh, and I also, I have another part, especially uh, at the end of the day, where I keep learning because this is uh, important. Like I said, uh, I am still, I'm constantly learning bet uh, be between uh, going deeper in JavaScript, the new uh, ES 2019 that's coming out. And mm -hmm. on the other hand, uh, learning about software engineering in general. Uh, uh, like uh, right now I have the the topic of DevOps, I'm, I'm digging deeper in DevOps, what is Kubernetes, uh, how do we use it, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and also uh, the event-driven development where we use Kafka, for instance, to process messages uh, instead of putting everything through an API input output. Uh, so that, these are, for instance, the topic that I'm learning uh, today. Uh, and I believe that everybody should have his, like, his two learn lists of items. Awesome. And so you kind of just brought up some like DevOps aspects of your job. Do you think it's really appropriate for there to be like a software engineer and then like a DevOps engineer or is the world becoming more integrated where it's not, you just need to know kind of like everything or that's also tricky, but can you kind of sh shed some light on that? Like yeah, you have to learn JavaScript and everything and DevOps? Like and Yes, you do. I believe that Today they built they built all those products uh, such as uh, you can start as easily as uh, with Heroku. With Heroku, you deploy your app with only one command line. Mm -hmm. um, I, I made a video on this on my YouTube channel that we're going to mention later. Uh, and then you have to you can go all the way to Kubernetes when you're handling a much more complicated uh, app. Uh, and I, I believe that in 2019, uh, a software developer has to be able to deploy an app for himself uh, there's no more uh, DevOps teams uh, or if there are I mean you're working in a very big company and even then you will have a lot of interaction with them and you will have to be able to maintain your app you will have to be able to restart a server to increase the number of instances you will have to be able to do that maybe you're not going to do this yourself but you mm -hmm. have to know about it yeah that's uh, thanks for sharing that I mean I, I've even run into that myself where it's like it's like where does where does this thing end? Like <laughs> with like the path of learning, you know. It's, it's really like, the struggle as a junior. It's really the struggle that you're facing because once you get interesting interested in a in a topic, you open a door and there is like two other, two or three other doors behind, and it's like it's like exponential. Yeah. Uh, it's an exponential topic to 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 explore. So you, if you are you can easily get stuck like like a, the deer caught in a headlight. 
because you don't know where to go next. And it's, that's why it's important to have mentors to guide you through a roadmap of learning because otherwise you just go in many different directions that don't make sense uh, together. So uh, that's why it's, it's important to read and get in contact with people who have been there before you. Yeah, that's uh, so, and that's almost like just a, a metaphor for like career growth as well. Like you've got to, uh, like if you're trying to do it on your own, like as a solo coder and it's just, it's just craziness. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a solo coder, there are many fields that you're not going to be exploring because it's not your topic. Like you're not going to have to build an app using Kafka and deploying into multiple instances with the database that sharded in multiple places of the world because most likely you're not going to need all this. Mm. This is the type of uh, examples that you you experience only in like bigger corporate uh, corporate environments. Mm-hmm. And, and just getting back to like the whole can of worms, like when you, when you open one door and three more appear type thing, like, uh, besides mentorship, like what are some other kind of, uh, ways that people can kind of navigate that scary situation? Uh, reading, uh, you, you get, you get to find a lot of blogs, especially on medium. I go a lot of medium, medium medium.com to find, uh, top uh, articles of random people who are like documenting their journey mm-hmm. it helps you find uh even if you like you don't know personally the, the the guy who wrote the article but you like you can live and just walk behind his footsteps uh it's really it's really frustrating when you're junior to intermediate developer uh to know who to follow that's because there are so many people like talking and saying uh about the software engineering in general uh, you don't just don't know which path to follow so by finding somebody who's just a couple steps in front of you, it's easier to just relate with them, understand what he says, and either decide to follow him or look for another, like another guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. That's uh, that's excellent. I might even borrow that from you as well. So, Medium is a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool place to get information from too. Um, so, what is the what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Start testing. Start testing. Yeah, start, start <laughs> testing uh, because it really changed my life as a developer. Uh, now I, uh, there's, there's a thing, uh, especially when you're collaborating in a code base, um, you want to start new features. You want to start, like, pull your own branch and do your thing, mm-hmm. uh, but you do not want to be working on somebody else's code because if you mess something up, it becomes your problem and you don't want to be your problem. So basically everybody's trying to avoid that and uh, the code base stays the same and we're just going to wait for Mike to come back from vacation to, to fix his thing because I don't want to be touching this. But now with tests, I just like, I can break everything and it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to see it like uh, just by running a, a quick line of code, I'm going to be identifying where I broke the, the code. And so most of the time I break things I don't realize. Uh, and I'm so thankful now that I'm using them uh, that I can like, I can really do my work being stress-free. Mm-hmm. All right. So start testing everyone. That is exactly. the nugget there. <laughs> awesome. And uh, okay. So just to kind of, kind of wind this down, cause we're coming up on our hour here. I was wondering, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure like these days you're super, super busy, no time for video games maybe, but back in the day, what was like, you know, the best video game ever made? Wow, you're talking to a Madden guy here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I was pretty high on Madden. Uh, I had my, uh, oh, I before that, when I was in uh, high school, I had my uh, Counter-Strike period. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did some, uh, some competition. I went to the National Cup of Counter-Strike. Uh, I, had, <laughs> I had fun times there. Okay, cool. Do you think you'll ever get back to those days or are those days over for you? I think they're over for me now. (laughs) New toys now. (laughs) Awesome. And uh, how do you, how do you caffeine? Oh, I'm about two or three coffee a a day. Okay. So coffee and, and uh, okay, cool, man. That's awesome. I'm so frustrated of coffee. I just, I started drinking coffee when I started uh, being a software developer. So not so long ago. 
but uh, now I'm so frustrated because I only get an hour to an hour and a half of a real, a real focus and boost of it. And I wish I was like more people who said, well, if I drink coffee, I'm like energized for the rest of the afternoon or for four or five or six hours. I wish I was like this. No, I, I sometimes drink four coffee a day. It really doesn't. And it's, it doesn't keep me from sleeping at night. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Um, okay, that's, that's awesome. I get so many wild responses from that question. It's, it, it hasn't been the same yet. So, um, and what are the top programming languages that you think someone should learn if they're kind of like, where should I, where should I start out here if they're just a total beginner? Okay, if you're a total beginner, uh, the first thing you want to, to find out is what do you want to do with this? If you want to do some more data or, um, or AI or stuff like this, go with Python. That's okay. That's the thing. Uh, then look around you. Where, where do you live? Uh, where, what people, what our companies are hiring and what programming language are they working? Mm -hmm. Then look, look in that direction. Uh, because at the end of the day, they, they're pretty much all the same. Uh, there's no one really better than the other, each depending on the, what you're trying to build. But mm -hmm. if you want to make it as a career, just go with uh, like the programming language where in your area there are some people hiring. For the web, for building apps, uh, whether it's mobile or, um, or uh, for the web, uh, JavaScript is pretty big. And for big corporations are much more working with Java. Okay. Java or C Sharp. Mm -hmm. And and actually, I'll sneak this in here too. Since you're in the the web side of things, like, what is your perspective of like, like Wix and Squarespace? Like, do they can they coexist with full stack web developers, or is one gonna kind of consume the other in the future? Like, if somebody's worried about like getting getting started here. Well, not only can they coexist, Wix is doing some pretty good jobs uh, recently, uh, but they can like. Uh, they, ha they really have their space here because uh, okay. even, even I, uh, when I spin up a website, I go on Wix because it's much more easier for me than start rewriting uh, code and deploying it. And no matter how simple the, the, the website can be. Um, and I'll th throw you another product here, uh, which is called Bubble, bubble.is. Uh, if anybody uh, around the, like in the audience wants to start building an app, a web app, go to bubble.is, you can write your app code free and start running it. Uh, mm. It's awesome, I tried it. Uh, you get a database, you get users to sign in, uh, you get all the features, the maps and everything, all the features you would want for an app. Uh, they even show you how to, like, how to build a clone of Airbnb. Um, so it's really useful if you want to try an MVP or, or, of something. MVP stands for uh, minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to try it, test out your idea, uh, before I started writing a line of code or hiring a developer or a company to build you through something, just go to bubble.is. Okay, that's that's awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out after the show. Uh, so uh, how do people find you on, on the internet? What's the best kind of places to do that? Okay, so I'm on YouTube. I started a channel called uh, Practical Programming. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn. Just check me out. My name is Riot Ben Brahim. Uh, check it out. You can add me. I'll, I'll gladly uh, answer you if you have any questions. Cool. Yeah, we'll put all that in the, in the show notes so folks can link out to you there. So, well, Rayad, this has been an excellent uh, experience. I'd love getting that perspective of the JavaScript developer. And My pleasure, Ben. Thank mm -hmm. you for having me. Yes, this, this was wonderful. So, uh, well, I wish you the best of luck and uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon, I hope. So. Yes, definitely. All right. Bye.